as we live our lives in these tumultuous times, what can we do to survive? What hope do we have as Christians in this world? What helps us make it from day to day and stand firm in our faith? One answer, the scriptures. That is what God has given us to make it through and to know how we are to live our lives in this world. We'll examine the scriptures and their importance on The Theological Patriot. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, tells us that God's word found him, and he ate them, and the words became to him a joy, and he rejoiced in his heart. So Jeremiah, a prophet of God, has been consumed by the scriptures, by the word of God that we see in Peter's letter in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2 he says as newborn babes desire pure milk of the word that you may grow by it so we are to be as newborn babes who desire their mother's milk but as Christians, it is the milk, the purest milk of the Word of God that the scriptures, the 66 books of the Bible, are our only hope. Because without the scriptures, we would know nothing about God. Because left to ourselves, we would come up with some crazy, wonky religion about some angel visiting us and showing us some golden tablets and giving us, telling us to look in this hat with magic rocks and shaking them around and writing down what we saw. Or we would make up some religion based on that if you if you kill someone that doesn't believe the same that you do, that you're going to go to paradise and get 72 virgins. <coughs> or you may have a religion where the representative of Jesus has is one man who's unmarried and he speaks for God and you're not smart enough to understand the scriptures by yourself you need a priest to tell you see these are things that that man comes up with that they're not based on the Bible. They're not based on the 66 books of the Bible. 
And yes, there are 66 books. The Apocrypha may be entertaining reading, but it is not the inspired word of God. So we have the 66 books of the Bible. From Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation. That is the word of God, and that is how we can know anything about God. Because naturally we know nothing of God. We don't want anything to do with God because we are born dead. We are born wretched sinners. And so when we read the scriptures, we learn who God is. We learn who we are in light of who he is. That when we fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to other people and we think we're doing pretty good, that if you really want to see how you match up, then you compare yourself to the ultimate standard, being God. That you see who God is. You see his omnipotence. You see his omnipresence. You see how he is perfectly just. He is perfectly love. He is perfectly wrathful. He is perfectly righteous. All at the exact same time, to the exact same extent. That he is perfect. That he is so perfect that he cannot look upon sin. That you look at your life in light of that. And what is what is your response? Are you like Isaiah? In Isaiah chapter 6, when he he tells us that in the king in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord holy and lifted up. That Isaiah gets this picture, this vision of the throne room of God. And he he sees this glory. He says that the train of the robe filled the temple that above the Lord he saw seraphim, these heavenly creatures with six wings. With two they covered their faces, two they flew, two they covered their feet. They called to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. That when Isaiah comes face to face with God, what is his reaction? Does he treat God as many of us do? Hey, what's up, God? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Yeah, you know, today was rough. Just kind of, or do we treat God, hey, God, you know, I read my Bible today. How about you make it a good day? 
How about you let me get that promotion at work? How about you let that that girl that I asked out say yes? Or if you're a lady, that guy that you like, Lord, that, you know, I, I prayed three times this week. So let that let that boy that I like say yes or ask me out or let me get an A on this paper that I just threw together at the last minute and have no idea what I said. Is that how we is that how you would treat God if you came face to face with him? Or would your response be like Isaiah in verse five? He says, Woe to me, for I am lost. King James says, I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Is that your response when you see the glorious God, because that's the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is not some genie that we rub the lamp and he gives us whatever we want. He's not a vending machine where, hey, God, I put my, I put, put my couple prayers up. I read my Bible today. I went to church. Now you do, you give me what I want. That's not the God of the Bible. That while he is holy, 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 he is so other that we cannot truly understand who he is outside of the scriptures. Because if we try to, we'll come up with a God that looks like ourselves. That once we have this understanding, then the world can't do anything to us. That we see the world in a different way. That you look at your problems and you realize they're not as big as I think. They're not as life-ending. That it may be difficult that we're never told that life is going to be easy. That as, a, as Christians, our life will not be easy. If anything, it'll be, if nothing else, it'll be more difficult because we're Christians. But once we realize who God is and who we are and how much he loves us, to give us this knowledge of him. Then we face the world with boldness. And we say, what are you going to do to me? That you, you can have this mindset of the Apostle Paul. And when he's has all these things happen to him that when when you when he looks at his life 
and he sees through his many through his missionary journeys through all the people that he's come to know that Paul can look back at all the things that have happened to him that he can that when we look at his laundry list of things he says five times in second uh, Corinthians 11 in verse 24 Paul gives this begins this laundry list he says five times I re- I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from these things, the daily pressure on me because of my anxiety from all the churches. Who is weak and am, am, and I am not weak? Verse 30. Paul, after having gone through all these things, where if anybody deserved to have an easy life for being obedient to Christ. It was the Apostle Paul. He says this in verse 30. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. That Paul here, he's telling us, All this stuff happened to me. I was beaten. I was shipwrecked. I was stoned. I was whipped with rods by my own people. I'm constantly hungry. But does Paul say, you know, I I really feel bad for what I went through. How could God put me through this? No, Paul says, if I'm going to boast in anything, I'll boast in my weakness. Because Paul knew he was not the the best looking guy. He wasn't the strongest guy. He wasn't the most eloquent. But he knew what God was doing through him. That Paul knew that the Lord was using him. That Paul knew of himself where he tells the Corinthians. He says that when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. wisdom, As I proclaimed the testimony of God. But I claimed to know nothing 
among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of his own power. No, of the Spirit's power. See, when people oppose us, because they will oppose us, Jesus tells us that the world will hate us because we are his disciples. He says that if you hate, if the world hated me, they will hate you as well. But remember, if the world hates you, they hated me first. That it's not going to be easy to be a Christian. But because we have the Spirit of God living within us, because we have the Creator of everything, the Creator of the universe on our side, living within us, having His Spirit living within us, we can know that anything that God accomplishes. It's not because we are so awesome. It's because he is so amazing. That when the world comes against you, when you feel alone, when you feel like this war, this life is not worth living, go to the scriptures. Because... I cannot tell you how many times that I have felt alone, that I have felt depressed, that I have just had horrible thoughts. And if I would have let them dwell in my mind, my life would look a whole lot different. But because I would go to the scriptures, because God would bring to my mind his word. That's what got me through. That's what helps brothers and sisters around the world. Because I live in America. I'm not scared that the government's going to come bust down my church door and drag me off to prison. I'm not worried about that right now. That could be, could be different in the next couple months, the next couple years, seeing how our culture is going. But right now that's not the case. I'm not afraid of that. That I have a first amendment, right? to worship how I see fit, that I can gather with my brothers and sisters. I can sing songs. I can hear preaching. I can carry my Bible with me. I don't have to fear the government because they have no authority over me anyway. But I know 
That is rare in this world. That all you have to do is look just north in Canada and you see churches being shut down by the government because they don't have a First Amendment. They don't have the right to gather. The, all you have to do is look up Pastor James Coates, who was dragged from his church and thrown in prison for holding services. And then after he was released, and they held services again, before the next week, the government literally put fences around their church. That you have brothers and sisters in China where they're in small apartments gathering together where they can't tell other people within the apartment building that they're gathering together or they'll, they could get ratted out to the government that I read one story where there were two house churches that were meeting in the same apartment building, five floors away from each other. And they had no idea about the other. That's how scary that it is and how, how it could end up very badly for them. If the government found out what they were doing, they could be very, very bad for them. That they can't even tell people within the same apartment complex that they have that they're holding church services. But what they do know. is that no matter what the government does to them, they have the word of God. They know how to stand firm in their faith because they know who holds their lives in his hands. They know that no matter what happens to them, no matter what the government does, God is in control. And if you've never seen it, I encourage you to look up a video on, um, I believe it's African Christians uh, receiving Bibles. And I... It's one of those things that you can't, one of those videos you can't unsee. Correction, Chinese Christians receiving Bibles. That it's one of those, one of those clips where you, you just reevaluate how you treat your Bible. that you see the joy on people's faces 
and that you you think I've got five or six, maybe seven or eight Bibles. But I never open them. They're collecting dust. That I open it maybe once a week. Maybe I read the Christmas story. That it 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 broke my heart, but made me joyful at the same time. Seeing how important the word of God is. So my question for you, how do you treat your Bible? Is it something that you bring out on Sunday and glance at it during the sermon? Or are you like Jeremiah, where it is nutritious, it is more important for you than your next meal? more important than your next breath because just like a baby will literally die without mother's milk or formula in today's world so too will the christian without the pure milk of the scriptures of the word of god that as we go through this world, as it becomes, this world becomes worse and worse and hates God more and more. As people attack the scriptures and try to convince you that it's not true, try to get you to recant your faith, to denounce your faith, to say it's not true. As this world gets worse and worse, we can stand firm on the word of God because we know that the word of God does not fade. That it stands firm. That we can be like Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, he says, The grass withers, the flowers fail and fade, but the word of our God endures forever. That no matter what we're going through in our lives, no matter what persecution we're going through, we can stand firm on the word of God. Because this is truth. That as Paul tells young Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be made whole and equipped for every good work. So I encourage you. Study your Bible. 
drink it as milk. Let it be nutritious. Because when, as times get darker, that'll be our only hope. And that that's the tool that the Holy Spirit uses to remind us of the promises of God. So stand firm on the scriptures. Don't let people deter you or let you try to convince you that it's not true. That it is our source. It is the sword of the spirit, Paul, Paul calls it. So stand firm on the word of God. And that no matter what happens, no matter how dark and dreary that life looks, go to the scriptures and be comforted because God is a good God and he is a good father. And as Paul tells us in Romans 8, 28, he works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That if you are called according to God's purpose, he will work it out for your good. You may have to go through a few beatings like the Apostle Paul. You may have to suffer loss. You may have to suffer being murdered. But all of it is worth it when it comes to knowing Christ and living our lives and knowing that God is working it out for our good and ultimately for his glory. So read your Bibles, meditate on them. I'm Jeff Rubidoux, and I'm the Theological Patriot.